Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. Hey, let's jump right into this thing. It is the Mount Rushmore of voting for something not political. And this was a suggestion from who? Uh, that was me, Michael. Hi, howdy. Why'd you suggest it? Why'd you, why did you vote for this topic? Uh, I, I, it was less of a vote and more of I told you guys what was happening, which yeah, uh, okay. if all thing goes, if things go poorly um, uh, tomorrow as we record this, then there will be one person telling everybody how to do everything and it's going to be awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to do a kind of election um, voting episode, I think because the election was coming up to be a little bit um, kind of, you know, topical, but also, um, you know, we recorded this sort of episode f four years ago before the 2016 election. And I've just had this stain on my head of just this, and we all have for the last, for the last uh, four years of just like, ah, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. So I wanted to talk about voting but not about anything really serious. Okay. Because I, I, yeah. I can't bear to, yeah, bear to be too serious right now. You know what? I it strikes me that voting is like, um, you like when I was filling out the ballot. It's like going to a sushi restaurant. Like they hand you this this order form, and they say, "What do you want?" And you start to like circle the things that you want. But it just occurred to me like four years ago when I went to this place, I got food poisoning, and nearly died. <laughs> And it's been a miserable four years. Like it, the implication when you're voting for something that you're going to get it is completely uh, um, um, nefarious. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, Michael, Michael chose the topic. Richard, you start us out. And my apologies to the listeners for the fact that I sound like I'm in some sort of missile silo from the 1960s. <laughs> um, just moved to a new place. Haven't got everything set up here. So I'm in a little bit of a, a sardine can. So just bear with me on that. Uh, no, my first choice is the TV show Survivor. Oh. And the, and the uh, voting ceremony when someone is voted off of the island. Mm -hmm. uh, great choice, Rich. Now, I, I wasn't aware that the show was still on the air because I thought, <laughs> like most sane people, like most sane people, I stopped yep. watching this about 30 seasons ago. But I did watch the first, I don't know, four or five seasons pretty religiously. Um, I remember even participating in, in a Survivor pick'em pools, where you would mm -hmm. try and each week you would you would decide you'd have to choose who would get voted off the island, and it was you know it was like a fantasy football type thing. Yeah. So I used to watch this pretty regularly. And without a doubt, the most entertaining part of the show was the the voting ceremony. Yeah. And trying and trying to discover which dope thought that he had played the game perfectly and had all the votes <laughs> go into their favor, only to sit there and just be flabbergasted when they've been voted yeah. off. It was shot and right on a weekly basis. Yeah. It was it's fantastic. And it was your demise was delivered to you on like the if the prom committee did the Gilligan's Island set, like it was like the <laughs> yeah. jankiest with coconuts and torches and like just, Yeah, it looked like your backyard your dream backyard a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Total but, tiki tiki nightmare. Yeah, so it 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 it, it, it 
it didn't exactly have the uh, gravitas of what they would play it up to be with this big emotional music and mm-hmm. everyone getting very ups, you know, upset if they've gotten voted off and yelling and screaming and all this sort of stuff. And meanwhile, like you said, they're basically a, a traitor Vicks. Yeah. <laughs> I always, uh, I always uh, enjoyed, I think later on when they kind of introduced like the immunity idols or the, like a necklace or something that they bring out basically oh, yeah. like this, this, you know, palm frond coconut teddy bear that they just kind of hold and it's like can't kick me off <laughs> <laughs> just so ridiculous to see these grown adults uh uh yeah holding this thing that is gonna uh make it impossible for them to be kicked out of this uh, quote yeah. unquote reality was Mark I Burnett Trump... watching his kids play in the yard and, and this kid came up with like no tag backs or something right. and you go, I, I need to put that in the show. I'm concerned about Trump? Trump. Yeah, I'm concerned yeah. as we record this the day before the election that he's going to feel like he has some sort of immunity idol that he has earned for the last four years. It's like, no, can't vote me out. I got this. I yeah. got this shrunken head that I, that I bought in Polynesia <laughs> or something. Uh, yeah, talk about a guy living oh. in an aug- augmented reality. Oh, well. And, and somebody who has so many places to go, actually, <laughs> with his name on them. Just go to those places. Okay, uh, Richard came out uh, with a fun topic, Survivor. And uh, we're going to find out who's the survivor of this episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast when I do the judging later on. Um, because the other person is going to be voted off the podcast. Who knows? It could be what? one of these guys. It could be me. Yep, that's right. We're gonna. We gotta. <laughs> could we vote a hey, listener gotta, off? We gotta streamline. <laughs> I, mean, I, I know think we did. I think the, the one. Yeah. <laughs> We've done that gradually over the last three years. Brian uh, Love of Brian Love. <laughs> oh man, that's the one I like. That's the one guy I like. <laughs> Winfield. Okay, my first choice is the vote to name the uh, Natural Environment Research Council ship Bodie McBoatface. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, in, nice. 2000, in 2016, uh, there was a poll in England about uh, the naming of this new kind of research vessel, this ocean um, oceanographic um, research vessel, and uh, they... Um, they're trying to figure out what they wanted to name it. So they started this um, poll and made it available to um, um, people in England and a radio host, uh, this guy by the name of uh, James Hand, uh, jokingly suggested the name of uh, Bodie McBoatface. And of course, instantly Mm -hmm. that, that caught on and it became the number one um, voted upon name. I guess it was based on uh, a, a naming of an owl from a 2012 adopt a bird program, uh, and that was Hootie McOwl Face. Oh. So uh, it has a, a deep history, <laughs> a naming yeah. tradition. Um, but I uh, ultimately, uh, even though the votes were cast and it was, I'm looking at the what the vote came out as. It was 33, a little over 33% for Bodie McBoatface and just mm-hmm. under 11% for the Poppy May. Um, it was ultimately named the uh, RRS David Attenborough, which is just so disappointing. I mean, he's great. He's, you know, 
he's an amazing figure in history and in science and in um, uh, everything. But like, come on, let the people let the people have this one. Yeah. Come on, England, just for once. <laughs> right. Let yeah. Him, don't let, don't don't let him don't let him make the choice. If you're going to take it away, it's going to make people yeah. not want to participate in those future things. Yeah. Uh, there have been other ones, other um, like ridiculous things that have been named. Um, um, Parsi McParseface, which was the name of some parser, Trainee McTrainface. You know, it's uh, yeah. Once once you start down that that path, um, but I just love the idea of something uh, something being named so silly. And I, I you know, I uh, ultimately the there was like a little like research dinghy on the ship it was um like a uh oh no it was like a, a an underwater vehicle like a little mini submarine that was christened the Bodie mcboatface so it kind uh, of got in on cool. that ship mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel that i love anytime the mass populace gets together to do something ironic and weird because normally i feel mm-hmm. like we when we all get together we do dumb stuff or you kind of the the middle of the road or we do we that's why vanilla is so popular that's what happens when we all get yeah. together it seems so when when it gets weird i love it so my second choice is voting for the major league baseball all-star game oh you know what okay uh, go ahead I'll, i'm gonna mine's slightly okay. different mine's slightly different but i'll i'll move that to my next one but go ahead go ahead sorry okay no this was um something that's it used to be more romantic when you didn't get to do it online. Um, I remember growing up as a kid, you actually had to go to the stadium and you would get a paper ballot and you would fill in your, your little circles, almost like a Scantron, for all the different players you wanted to see in the All-Star game that year. And you would drop it off. They'd have little ballot boxes there for you and you'd drop it off. And they would collect them and count them and that's how they would decide who got to play the all-star game that year and i didn't get to go to major league parks but they had them at the minor league park so at the uh, fresno giants games i had the opportunity every year to uh, stuff that ballot box for my favorite players and it was just i remember growing up as a kid and i was a kid who loved baseball stats so i knew all the stats of all the players so i would i wouldn't just vote for my favorite player i would sit there and give it like deep consideration okay who's having the best season this year who deserves to be in here is he on the indians sure i'll vote for him anyway yeah and it was just such a romantic thing to actually get a paper ballot and 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 vote it felt very tight tight into the kind of nostalgia that baseball kind of thrives off of Mm -hmm. and the fact that you can now go online and people can vote for like 10 times a day and there's ways people can you know game the system so that they they can vote hundreds of times for their favorite player who probably doesn't deserve to get in but they play for their team just the whole system seems kind of even yeah. though it's probably more it's more advanced at this point it doesn't feel like a better system I think I think yes I think there's definitely a lack of romance when uh, you can vote 10 times or 25 times per email for your favorite players and resubmit the ballot without having to um, fill it out again. Although they do make it a slightly difficult because you have to like 
enter a, you know, like a CAPTCHA code or something like that. There's something that makes it slightly harder than just clicking like refresh or submit, submit, submit. But it's true. It's like I remember sitting there a few years ago doing it and I remember trying to vote. This is how awful it was trying to vote for the worst players for the American League team that I could think of. (laughs) to game the system the other way so that like, you know, the Dodgers and the national league could um, have a better team. It was like, God, who's, who's batting 192. That's like a second baseman. Oh, let's see if I can find him on oh, the Orioles, not doing so good. <laughs> and like, like the vindictive nature of it. Uh, really you, it, as an all-star game, you should want the best of both sides to play because it would be the best possible game, regardless of the outcome. Cause it ultimately doesn't matter, but it does. It does feel lacking. It feels um, if it were not any other, special. if it were the NHL or the NBA, would you have the same reverence? I mean, baseball no. is this museum for for a lot of people. So yeah, you know, it is this. Like I said, it is based on nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, in, in so many ways. And it's like I said, the uh, physical act of getting this printed ballot yeah. sponsored by Cracker Jacks or whoever sponsored the, the yeah. All-Star Game ballot. Um, there, it was quaint. It was something. It was something. Uh, something that you wouldn't see in other sports. And I don't know if they still have that. I, I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen the paper ballots at at all mm-hmm. parks over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And Michael, do you remember us on the Ninjas when we played in, in Leaders Cup? There was a poll about oh, yeah. um, who was going to win the tournament, and we figured out how you could just resubmit over and over again. I must have done it 500 times a day for like a week, just sitting there at work for like two hours, <laughs> just refresh, 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 refresh. Uh, yeah, I did the same, and I remember some somebody on the East Coast was mad. There's like no way, is, no way could they be voted, and like I believe somebody else tried to reverse – reverse it all but yeah uh, it was good times there was it was good <laughs> good work on our part to try and <laughs> gain the system because that's what we did yeah uh okay um uh winfield i heard you kind of re- repositioning something maybe to to be in alignment with that what is it well i'm just going to move up one of my later choices up to the second pick um and it's whoever the baseball writers of America that vote for like the baseball hall of fame and what a, what a joke of a process that is. And especially how much of a joke it is. These people that refuse to, um, someone that is so worthy of being in the quote unquote hall of fame and will refuse to like give them like the 100% vote because babe Ruth didn't happen to get it. And this, this is all mostly a wash because last year, Mariano Rivera of the Yankees was the first person ever to receive 100% of the votes. But it took from 1936 until 2019. And all these people that are just like these old – like this is, the, this is the other side of like the voting for the all-star that feels quaint. This is like this stodgy old baseball writer um, stick-in-the-mud-ness of it where like – just because Babe Ruth didn't get 100%, nobody else can. 
and you look at like you look at the names of these like amazing players and great players throughout history and then you get to like ken griffey jr who is like 99.7 percent and it was just probably one person who just knew that everybody else was going to vote for uh the kid and then wouldn't do it out of some nonsensical principle and you know a lot of this stuff is is so tied into you know i didn't want to talk about politics but i just imagine those people that are like doing this kind of voting like the the uh, voting for you know writing in uh kanye west or writing in mickey mouse i mean how many how many times does mickey mouse get a goddamn vote in any presidential election but just whatever whatever that thing is where you're trying to be a dick about something that's important especially important to some of these people you know yeah no i i I like this pick um yeah the the baseball traditionalist who has taken it now too far and like you said is refuting refusing to vote for the greatest player of their generation because ty cobb by God, didn't get in unanimously, so why should he? And it's just such flawed. Well, how about the fact that Ty Cobb didn't play against any black players? That might be the yeah. reason why, why he didn't get on. So the uh, other thing that I kind of just dislike about the whole baseball Hall of Fame voting thing, and maybe it's not just baseball and maybe it's with football as well, is how like there becomes a period where they just – stop allowing you to vote for a person like they've they've aged out or they've had too many tries and like baseball the hall of fame committee just gives up can you imagine i just can't imagine being like a player that is potentially gonna make it but then they're just like nah nobody likes you enough Hmm. no one wants to do it i mean how to be constantly disappointed year after year must be so heartbreaking after like a career and a passion that you've devoted your entire life to. I think that's just a shame. Is that because there was always somebody more stellar that year that they were up against? Is that why that happens? I think so. Yeah, I mean, usually it's be... like it's like guys from like you know like that had a pretty good baseball career from like 1972 to 1986, and they were good enough to play for 14 years, but they were never like the best player at any given time. And then you get to a point where like you're eligible five years later, but nobody really wanted to vote for you. But you're kind of, you're kind of hoping that enough people's minds will have changed. Does that feel about right, Richard? You're hoping that you can make it in the hall of the pretty good. Yeah. And that somehow enough people will, will sort of allow you to sneak through. There's the, always the occasional, Harold Baines or somebody like that who kind of gets in on some sort of, you know, that almost feels like a technicality. It's Mm. not quite, but it kind of feels like that. All right, homies, uh, let's go to our halftime and remind people that they can vote for the uh, Mount Rushmore podcast. It's as simple as this. You go to uh, wherever you find our podcasts and there's always something like a stars or like a thumbs ups or like a one through five. Give us all five. Vote for us by giving us all five of those um, indicators. And we would also like you to vote for us by downloading uh, past episodes. That would be super solid. 
And you can cast a vote for your favorite future topic of the Mount Rushmore podcast by going out to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and following, liking, and suggesting a future topic. Past suggestors have had the dubious honor of joining us in debate here on the show. So that's something you could do. And then, of course, you know, uh, wait four years to vote for the next thing that happens to our country. A chicken in every pot. Yeah, yeah. Typically, um, Tyler too. Boy, these are some old school. These are like some Rushmore, really vintage campaign slogans here. Bully. Um, Is that one? Bully. Yeah, that's a like Roosevelt. That seems like a Roosevelt. Uh, Richard, um, what is your third choice? Yeah, so my third choice, and Michael, you want to talk about bullshit voting um, systems. Yeah, Let, ready for it. Let's talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hmm. This thing is garbage. Hmm. <clears throat> I think I've ranted about this before on the podcast, but I will briefly. Um, it's basically... The Rock and Jock the Rock and Jock Hall of Fame is that's not that legit. would be that would be incredible. Dan <laughs> Dan Cortez, one hundred percent vote. Um, no, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is basically there's a when it comes down to who votes for the people who get in from the pool of nominees, it's like this group of five hundred rock critics, different musicians, rock and roll luminaries, so to speak, but. In terms of who decides who gets nominated, who is eligible to be voted on, it's this like weird committee that's basically made up of John Winner, who is the publisher of Rolling Stone magazine, Mm -hmm. and like his cronies. And so they basically get to control who gets nominated for possible voting. And, you know, they also have a business to run. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a business. They have to sell tickets to get people into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremonies and the concert and all the other stuff that goes on along with it. And so that's always been one of the problems with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is that worthy acts aren't even getting nominated because either John Winner, John Winner has, doesn't, just personally doesn't like them or in a lot of ways, there are these bloated 70s classic rock bands who, if they get in, they'll sell more tickets than, than the Smiths would. So who do you think is going to get nominated? The whole system's just messed up. I yeah. mean, you can, you can just see it by, the, by who is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and some of the acts that are in that probably you kind of scratch your head about. The whole system is is bloated and excessive. So I guess in its own way, it kind of mirrors rock and roll pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. But it's a mess. It's just a mess. That's interesting you said that because I, I would, I was about to steer the conversation towards the ethos of rock being rebellion, but uh, your evaluation is that you know the music industry and and everything's everything's become more industry than inspiration. Anyhow, so it's it mirrors the bloated nature of the actual industry. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I think that if you look at the what the criteria is for an act to, to make it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, I think a lot of it at this point is 
cronyism. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because there are, if it was a true rock and roll hall of fame that was there to represent the apex of rock and roll, the achievement of rock and roll, you know, you would have a lot different mix of artists that wouldn't just be bands that had 10 different top 10 albums. Mm -hmm. Do you think there would be fewer... Would there be fewer influential artists? Because I think of the Irma Thomases and Aretha Franklins, and and uh, there's so there's so many people in there who a young person today might not even recognize as a rock, or even even somebody who listened to album-oriented rock from the '80s or whatever might not even recognize as a rock person. A yeah, person, I mean, yeah. yeah, you've got those. I guess the, the uh, I can't remember exactly what the phrases they use, but the early influences mm-hmm. um, that they that, that kind of get voted in on occasion. Like I know a few years ago, they en masse inducted like the Crickets and a bunch of yeah. these other supporting groups who didn't get in, like when Buddy Holly was inducted, there wasn't Buddy Holly and the Crickets who were inducted. It was just Buddy Holly. Yeah. And they tried to go back and, and retroactively kind of shoehorn the crickets and all these other sort of backing bands. I think the Jordanaires was another one, maybe, oh. um, in as these pioneering rock bands. I think maybe the Comets when, was another one because I think Bill mm-hmm. Haley was inducted, but not Bill Haley and the Comets. Yeah. So there is an element of that, but I think where it's where it's lacking is look. The Pixies aren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's ridiculous. You know, in terms of you, you said bands that are influential or artists who are who are influential. I don't know there are many more influential artists to music that's happening today than a band like the Pixies. Mm-hmm. Hugely influential, um, but for whatever reason. The uh, nominating committee doesn't see fit to uh, make them eligible to be voted on by the 500 plus person overall voting block. And it's just very frustrating for someone like me who who has a deep love of rock and roll history to see it kind of get just shit on is just Mm -hmm. really frustrating. Well, it could be also it could be also just that the Pixies suck, Richard, so. Oh, that's also true. I forgot. Think of that. that. Yeah. Did you think about yeah. that one? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, good. The third choice from Michael Winfield. Um, my third choice is the uh, uh, the vote by a legion of fans of comic books to kill the Jason Todd Robin character in an issue of Batman. So back in 1988, um, in an issue of Batman, they had this four-part series, uh, four-part storyline called A Death in the Family. And uh, by that time, for the past five or six years, um, the Robin that everyone had kind of grown to know, um, who is uh, what's his, what's the what's Robin's name? Not um, Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson. Thank you, thank you. Dick Grayson had kind of moved on to become a different character called Nightwing, and uh, he was replaced with a new character named Jason Todd, who is a kid that became kind of Bruce Wayne's 
Ward and became the new um, became the new Robin. Well, people didn't like him very much. I don't really know why, but they decided, you know what, we're going to leave it up to the fans to decide his fate. So they had this storyline called a death in the family where at the end, um, the Joker beats him to death with a crowbar and then blows him up with a bomb. And then you had to like have people (laughs) (laughs) and then then people called in to one of two numbers. Does he live or does he die? And then the next issue they kind of revealed whether he lived or he died and um uh it was apparently a pretty close vote i guess him dying uh was a 72 vote margin versus him uh living and there she goes i mean i guess that's that's the true sense of like apathy towards a character whether it's so 50 50 split that they're like meh he lives or dies it's fine he's he's just a robin um of course, like all good um, kind of superhero characters, he's later brought back in later storylines, like 20 years later. Um, but just the idea that you would that would you put this power in the hands of like kids and um, probably some other grown adults to just like kill off your character and for it to be so brutal too um, was, I think, really striking. And um, you know, they they say that. Batman kind of was one of those uh, characters or one of those comics that really in like kind of the mid eighties to late eighties, you know, kind of turned into this more gritty version of Batman with like the dark Knight Returns storyline and um, a comic called the killing joke. But this one in particular is just as grim, just the idea that like, eh, we'll see if he's going to live or die based on people calling into a one 900 number is just, um, just wild to me. So they had to get charged for their vote because this was late eighties, <laughs> early nineties. Not only did you, you had basically you had to pay for the privilege of killing off a beloved, right? Quote unquote, right? Beloved. Exactly. Yeah. Fun. Good times. I wonder why. I wonder why the comic books went in, went in, went into such decline for for a time there. Wonder, wonder why I that never, I'd never written a letter to the editor, but I'd, I'd sure mm. seen them in every comic ever picked up. So it seemed like the audience had their chance to vote via letters and whatnot, like to express their uh, disfavor or about a character. I wonder if they were already getting those. I wonder if they planned on, we're going to kill this idiot anyway. Let's make mm. people feel like they're actually voting <laughs> for her. Let's make a stunt out of it somehow. But the, even just the idea of that, it almost feels like, no, bad guys are the ones who kill superheroes, not not the readers of the comic book. <laughs> don't don't give. And then also, I think like I I don't know how many times, even as a kid, like if given the choice of like destroying something awesome or not, I would always want to break it anyway. <laughs> so it's appealing to the worst nature. Because sure. you're an asshole. Yeah. Kids are kids are assholes. Kids are basically. assholes. I gotta I do say. Th- that's that's my biggest thing about this election coming up. Mm. Well, in past, I think we don't we we don't as much need a new leader as we need new Americans. <laughs> there's right. fucking, there's, yeah, too many too many Americans are right now are voting to kill um, beloved cartoon character Robin. Yeah, that's it. Uh, the sidekick. He was the sidekick. He was or the democracy to Batman or, yeah. or democracy. You I know, mean, it wasn't, you know, Robin is kind of one of those, 
um, <laughs> Robin has been kind of one of those characters too that over the years he's kind of become this kind of revolving door of people kind of filling his role after Jason Todd. They are like, okay, let's get Tim Drake in there and let's get um, uh, I forget the the there's a female Robin for a time. Let's get her in there and then let's get Bruce Wayne's son Damian Wayne in there. Just like uh, I it's wild to think that it started with like them basically like ah we gotta kill him <laughs> i do like that that the first um robin grew up and out of out of that costume and into something else but what a rough way to go yeah I just feel like being the spinal tap drummer or something richard's fourth and final vote all right so my final vote is when andy kaufman was voted off of saturday night live in 19 <laughs> oh wow <laughs> wow so a couple of things were happening here leading up to this. One is they had done a running skit um, in 1983 with Larry the Lobster for this episode, where people could call in and decide the fate of Larry the Lobster, whether or not he would be eaten and boiled alive or whether he would get to live. And they would have Eddie Murphy there and they would do these sort of almost like a biography of Larry the Lobster, how he, where he grew up, his home life, his, his, uh, his wife and his kids. And we kind of went through the whole thing. And at the end, they wound up saving Larry the Lobster. Kind of while this was going on, Andy Kaufman had been doing his intergender wrestling championship of the world stuff which yeah. was really controversial and people, a lot of people really didn't like it. And he did it once on SNL and they got a lot of negative feedback for it. So Dick Ebersol, the producer decided, well, let's do this thing that was kind of entertaining and we had success with a few weeks ago, but instead of Larry the Lobster, let's put Andy Kaufman's career on SNL on the line. And basically the vote was, should, should Andy Kaufman be banned from Saturday Night Live? Yeah. And this was pretty much the theme of the whole episode. You know, you had Mary Gross, one of the cast members, as they're reading the, the number for yes, you should be banned. She's read off really quickly, so you can understand what you're saying. Um, so that no one can understand what the numbers were. She, you had Eddie Murphy basically saying, look, I'm a friend of Andy Kaufman, so don't make me go out there and start punching people, America, if you vote the wrong way. But again, I, I, I don't know if people thought this was a bit or if they thought they wanted to try and destroy something that was beautiful to mm-hmm. uh, quote flight quote fight club but in the end mm-hmm. andy kaufman the yes banned him from snl wound up winning by a few thousand votes and he was never on saturday night live again it was about a year before he died and they never brought him back they did ha- they did run a commercial from him where he had quote unquote bought airtime to thank the people who had voted for him. But this is a point of controversy in his career. I believe in Man in the Moon, they kind of, they, they, there's like this big screening match between Dick Ebersol, the producer, and Andy Kaufman, because Andy Kaufman felt like he'd been set up. And of course, with everything Kaufman, who knows how much of that was stagecraft and how much of it was real. But the reality was he was, they they stuck to the ban, and he mm-hmm. was never invited back on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a guy who kind of mastered the mind fuck, and I I, I would say he, 
for the number of I, I've done I've dabbled in comedy for a while and the the guys who are meta many times the guy who are guys who are meta aren't good performers to begin with. They decided to get weird rather than to get good and to be funny. And Kaufman was phenomenally talented and polished and entertaining. For, I think it was almost like Picasso, a guy who could like paint like one of the masters at age 15 and then spent the rest of his career trying to act like a maniac or I do something that to deconstruct the form of comedy. So it almost seems like he was looking to be booed off the biggest stage there was. And SNL was the biggest comedy right. stage there was. So it almost seemed to me like the height of that. Yeah. His, his version of performance art. It was the place where it was like his little playground where he could kind of do whatever weird stuff he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And they would welcome him. And it was almost like, how do I, how do I turn that around? Yeah. And you know, it kind of backfired on him in this case. Mm-hmm. I have you seen Kaufman? There's a, Kaufman was on like the Johnny Cash holiday special. Like Kaufman did yes. so much T variety television. He was so embraced by Middle America on Taxi. Like he was he was a commodity, a comedy commodity, and just was must have not have been comfortable with that because he had to. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, that it, it, his. As, as as you said, I think he just wanted to, to break it over and over again. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, okay, Winfield. Uh, this one is um, uh, something that hit home for me. Um, it was in 1986, the Masters of the Universe uh, had decided to start a create a character contest where you could submit a design for a character to the toy manufacturer and um, the winner would be um, chosen by a vote and have the toy produced. And as a uh, uh, very into He-Man seven-year-old at the time, this was my jam. I remember, um, so it had two parts. It had the submitting a character and there's, you know, kids age five to eight or five to ten however old you were you submit your character you draw the picture you send it in you give them the name and whatever powers it has and what it looks like and then um then the powers that be over it um mattel would uh take those submissions weed out the ones and then would have the general populace vote on the ones that would um uh have a character made and have a character go in their comic and uh, you'd also get like something that was like $50,000 or $100,000 scholarship and a trip to Disneyland. Like it was big stuff, right? Big, big. And um, so me and my grandma, we sat down and uh, we drew this guy that had like this big octopus head or squid head. I don't remember what his name was or what his powers were. Probably squid powers or octopus powers, you know. And uh, of course, you know, mine was one of the five that were um, chosen to be voted Are you serious? but still no no was not was not oh yeah oh, okay. no um but the five that were um was one person that looks like a big eyeball one person has like a big brain one person is literally like a net with lips and hair named netta and the oh, ultimate winner was this guy named the fearless photog who was like a guy that had like this crappy camera for a head his power was to take a picture of 
whatever. Well, needless to say, I remember looking at this list of characters and being like, seeing He-Man scream, vote now. It's like, not for these assholes. Not for these uh, idiots. I'm, I'm not you know, seven... I'm seven, eight years old. I'm like, these are terrible. Where's my octopus creature that should have won? Yeah. Um, but ultimately, one guy did win. This guy, Nathan Bittner, and his fearless photog won. Uh, unfortunately, he never got the character made into a toy. Oh, no. Which that feels... I mean, I think he got the money as like a scholarship and everything. But can you imagine how heartbreaking it would be to have to be a kid that would win this contest to have your design that you could have your toy battle He-Man or Skeletor or whoever. It just, it just never materializes. Mm-hmm. God, that's, that's democracy. He should have, <laughs> he should have chosen uh, easy to injection mold man. <laughs> that guy would have gotten made for sure. <laughs> he looks exactly like He-Man, but he's just um, yeah. brown hair. Solid. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> Regular He-Man leg for a head man. <laughs> it's <best> left it just, <laughs> over. <laughs> it also just kind of reminds me of like the promises of voting, and everyone, yeah. all these politicians that are out there that are telling you that everything's going to be fixed. I've got a plan for everything. Um, not that I don't believe Joe Biden. Not that I don't believe Joe Biden wouldn't do all the things that he promises or whatever. Um, but like you know, you're going to get half or a quarter or some portion of whatever that is and you just have to be okay with it yeah as a seven or eight year old uh, i couldn't imagine being like i can't believe i won this content like, yeah by the way you're not getting this not this toy this toy is never <laughs> being made it's not going to appear in any of in any of the comic books or the comic strips um so good luck with that. It, it'll be a, it'll be a character that you'll see in like He-Man magazine, Masters of the Universe magazine, and then there you go, there you go, enjoy. Fun choices, you guys. Uh, now, sadly, I I have to be the one that uh, dashes some of your hopes. Um, you know why don't we uh, choose? I know it's really dear to your heart, Richard. So Major League Baseball All Star Game. All-star team choices because you had the kind of fun backstory about going to the park and taking it seriously and being invested in it. And it had a a Ken Burns kind of vibe floating around there. (laughs) And uh, Batman fan playing, playing to my, uh, um, my like things I like there with Jason Todd, Robin killed. I also like, like when teenagers and idiots just vote to just, just murder somebody. Um, and then uh, gonna go with Andy Kaufman because that was kind of compelling, and Michael's very personal Motu um, created character competition. So there we go. So it's a tie. It's a tie. I believe that Michael, you won by a point this week. I did. The electoral college uh, turned out in my favor because I had more votes. Um, I think you might have, Richard, you might have won the popular vote, um, but I think I got the electoral. Well, let oh, the audience get... decide about that, but yeah. I, have a concession, hey, I have a concession speech ready to go, guys. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Fuck let's, you all. Let's That's record, my concession speech. 
That's Let's like record an ending of this podcast as if Joe Biden won, just for the fun of it. Okay. Hey, isn't it awesome that we've got this new day in America and we can all be very optimistic? Um, Biden isn't perfect, but you know, he I don't think he's actively nefariously trying to destroy the democracy like Trump, right? Right. He just he's not he's not trying to eat poor people's livers. Yeah. Like I think Trump is it would do if he had had four more years. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, as long as they were that... like overcooked and doused in ketchup as well. Yeah. yeah. Flash fried. Absolutely. Isn't it awesome that Mitch McConnell, the necro- necrotization of his body, the, 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 the bruises and, and the, the uh, leprosy that was creeping around on his face finally impacted his brain and he died. Isn't that great? That's I can't cool. Really all this shit. Yeah, Michael. This Michael will get this, but I, he should That's not. Good. He should not have put that Horcrux on. That's what happens. That's that Harry true. Potter. Very true. No, it's a Harry Potter. Yeah, it's a Harry Potter. Okay. That's a Harry Potter. No, All it's right. um, is... it's great. It's great that um, I can scrub my Twitter feed of everything but like fun stuff now. So excited yeah. to just to just just tear away the walls of or just the, the list of people that I follow for um, you know doom scrolling reasons. Right. Yay. This, this has been the Mount Rushmore of things you vote for that aren't politics. I, as always, I'm Richard. I'm Michael. I'm Michael. <laughs>